You're listening to episode 28 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. The goal of this and other summer episodes is to provide you with maximum value in short and effective doses so you can take action right away. In today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the scope and sequence for English language learners and namely for newcomers. I will be answering the questions about the scope and sequence and what it is, why it is an important document to have, what is included in it, and how ELL teachers can create their own. I will also be sharing an example of my scope and sequence along with a free resource, which you will learn about at the end of this episode. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. There are certain truths about being an ELL teacher. As an ELL teacher, you likely have to work with mixed proficiency levels daily, whether small groups, whole classrooms, or, you know, throughout the day, uh, from newcomers to those who are ready to exit the program. So the variety is great there. Frequently, ELL teachers don't have an ELL curriculum that they can follow, especially for newcomers. So we adapt and tweak and are masters at bringing the content to our students. And when you have a newcomer, regardless of whether you have a lot of experience or this is your first time, you always get that slightly indescribable feeling of excitement mixed with panic. What am I going to teach them, right? So let us talk about a certain document today and namely a document that is called a scope and sequence. Now, what is this scope and sequence? The simplest way to describe it is this. The scope is the amount of content that will be taught and the sequence, well, is the sequence or the order in which the content will be taught. It is a general roadmap that helps you identify where you start, where you're going, and how much you're going to cover during your journey. By now, you have already noticed that I use a lot of travel-related terms when I speak about teaching, especially when it comes to teaching newcomers. And content area teachers typically have a curriculum which provides them with a scope and sequence. Um, Also, content area teachers are frequently in departments with multiple people that they can sit down and tweak the scope and sequence. But as mentioned earlier, we ELL teachers don't have such a luxury in many cases, and it is up to us to create one. Now, here are five reasons why it is worthwhile Uh, to spend your time creating a scope and sequence. Now, I'll give you, I'll start with an example. Now, as a teacher who is tasked with teaching multiple grade levels and multiple proficiency levels, I used to find myself frazzled because my job is so open-ended. On the one hand, I really love uh, having the open-ended task, but at the same time, um, it can kind of like uh, get you off track sometimes. So during the school year, I used to feel like I'm looking here and there, and even though I planned my lessons, There was this feeling of incompleteness hanging over me, like, what is next? What are we teaching next? 
And I kept hearing the same sentiment from my readers and the members of the ESL teaching roadmap. And over the past year, I took it upon myself to create a scope and sequence, which proved so helpful, uh, not only to me, but to other teachers as well. Um, the way I did it, um, I did it one month at a time. <laughs> so I didn't sit down. I didn't uh, think of it last summer. That's why I'm sharing this, why you should do it in the summer if you want to kind of like uh, map it out. The reason number two why uh, it is a good idea to create a scope and sequence is it can be, this document can be as general or as comprehensive as you like. So it will outline the experiences that are specifically designed to support your students at the level that they are at. Number three is it's a plan that will help anchor your instruction and help you scaffold your teaching. Number four, it is a living and breathing document. You can see what works and what needs to be tweaked because after all, you know your students best, right? And finally, it lists out the goals, the strategies, and what your students should be able to do at their level. And um, you will be able to go back to it even if you fall off the train, so to speak. Now, what do we include in a scope and sequence? Let's talk about standards for a little bit. Um, this can be like a daunting topic, um, but let's look at what we have available. Now, all teachers use standards in teaching and many states use common core standards, but in general, it is up to the states to tailor the standards to their own needs. There are also ELD standards, English language development standards that teachers of multilingual learners use. 41 of the 50 states in the U.S. are members of the WIDA consortium, which means that they're following the WIDA standards. And other states like New York, California, Texas, Arizona have their own ELD standards. Now, the first step in creating a scope and sequence is to become familiar with the English language development standards that are used in your state. I frequently refer to the WIDA standards simply because I'm most familiar with them, but I will be honest, they're not the easiest to navigate. Uh, there are four standards in WIDA, social instructional language, language of math, language of language arts, language of social studies, and language of science for the English learners. They're broad and leave a lot of room for improvisation. However, WIDA breaks down language functions or language dimensions into greater detail, and that is what I have been using for my scope and sequence. So that is the word level, the sentence level, and the discourse level. So after you've taken a look at the standards, you will have a better idea of what the students are expected to do at their level. And um, you can start there. So I typically start with those three goals for a particular month. And those goals include the word dimension, like I just mentioned a second ago. Uh, that is what vocabulary I will be teaching or what the student needs at that time. The sentence dimension, uh, how are we going to tackle, you know, sentence formation and the discourse dimension, how are we going to move the student forward in using their vocabulary and using their sentences into having conversations or expressing themselves in writing. For example, the three goals for my newcomers for August and September could be as follows. On a word level, 
Students learn basic school and classroom vocabulary and phrases. Uh, it is important for newcomers. It is survival vocabulary, and we focus on pronunciation. Of course, I don't list these things in the scope and sequence, but this is what I write, uh, you know, school and classroom vocabulary and phrases. Uh, sentence and discourse level are the same. Students are able to introduce themselves and express basic needs. Um, and I also like to include, especially for the beginning of the year, uh, but it is worthwhile including uh, going forward, uh, social emotional goals as well, uh, because I have found that the students at the beginning of the school year, they need to feel welcome, they need to feel like they belong, and that is an, a goal for them to feel that. In this step, I also look at the WIDA can do descriptors, which allow me to see what I can expect from a newcomer student at level one. And they also give me ideas on how I can move them along to higher proficiency. Now, the second step is to outline the topics and grammar points you will be focusing on. So while explicit grammar instruction is counterintuitive for younger students, it works really well for students in the upper grades. Um, I have created a grammar teaching sequence, which comes in really handy when writing a scope and sequence. If you haven't downloaded it, you can find it right on my website and um, along with other freebies. And you can use that when creating your own scope and sequence. Now, for newcomers in those first months, it is vital to work on simple sentence structure, pronunciation, the verb to be, and yes and no questions. And that is what I include in the scope and sequence for the first month. Also, when you think about grammar, it literally touches the word level, the sentence level, and the discourse level. So it is worthwhile uh, spending your time in looking at what the student needs. And the last step is to think about the strategies and scaffolds you might want to utilize. They may repeat from month to month, or they may be different, but I have noticed that something like using visuals to explain concepts works well throughout the school year. When I was creating a scope and sequence, I tweaked it numerous times, trying to figure out the best way to present it for both myself and the teachers that I serve. And I have found that a simple format, three goals that correspond to language dimensions, the WIDA can do descriptors, grammar points, and scaffolds work really well. Anytime I open the document, I'm able to see where I am or tweak what doesn't work. And that is all for today. I hope you found this episode useful. And as mentioned at the beginning, I would like to share a freebie with you. And that is a year long scope and sequence that will help you map out your path in the coming year. Uh, it is in a PDF document and you can find the link to download it in the show notes underneath this episode. I hope you find this useful. Um, you can use it for your own needs or you can use it as an example of what you can create for your students. Now, I would love to hear from you. Did you find this episode useful? Have you created a scope and sequence? If so, what did you include? Let me know by connecting with me on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. 
positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.